0: What the hell is the name of this thing? It's Wayne's
1: World. The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my finger. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Barry. He
2: tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody. and Welcome in to another scintillating, fascinating edition of Ballsy. Why don't we just let the audience... Be the judge of that. Be the judge of that. No, you need to encourage people sometimes. Okay, subliminal advertising. Sub- is what it is. Okay, and give us some more subliminal advertising. You can follow this podcast on Facebook and also on Twitter at Ballsy Podcast. So make sure you do that. Okay. And, and now I'd and like and to who say, who are that, you? I am Kevin Sherrington. and I, You are. I
0: am Barry Horn. And who's the voice on the other end of this uh, tin can?
3: That would be uh, Evan Grant. And let's make sure that we let everybody know that. If they're going to follow us, they have to spell Ballsy with a Z because it's very edgy.
2: We're, we're edgy. Ballsy. We're edgy people, aren't we? Yes. You know, we didn't have talked about the fact that we got that. We got approval to have Ballsy as the name of our podcast. We, yes, that had, to, we had to fly that one all the way up the flagpole.
3: Well, after, after our special guest joins us this week, I'll, uh, I'll tell you a little story about relating the Ballsy name to him. And who, so. who, who is our special guest today? Our special guest is none other than Cole Hamels. Right? Cole Hamels, uh, expected opening day starter, uh, yes, who, who joined us uh, to talk about his transition to the American League and and the feeling in camp and and just kind of maybe potentially lifting Martín Perez and Derek Holland the way that fellow lefties uh, Cliff Lee and and Jamie Moyer lifted him when he was with Philadelphia.
0: You, you know, I'm impressed that you got Cole Hamels to be on the Ballsy podcast. I'd be even more impressed when you get you, Darvish, to be on with us.
3: Don't worry. That day is coming. I'm <laughs> going to ask him. He may shoot me down.
2: He, here's I the thing ha- that, that you uh, – uh, I want to make this clear to everybody right now is that that whole business of him with the translators is all bull. This guy understands English just fine. Of
0: course, he probably understands Spanish too. Do you ever see him sitting on the? Do you ever see him sitting on the bench talking to everybody? He's Talking
2: to everybody. He even understands Evan. <laughs> if he understands Evan, he understands everybody out there.
3: He does. Uh, he, he does understand English, and he understands it well. And I, you know, I've I've gotten to the point where if I need to go and ask him a question uh, or two, and I'm not looking for a really uh, in depth answer. Not, not. I don't want to say in depth, but not looking for a really expansive answer. I can go to them, talk to them one-on-one, don't need a translator there. But I, I still, I, I look at these guys and, you know, in the world that we in which we all survive today, or try to survive, and when they're not comfortable with complete command of the language, so much can be misconstrued and can be turned into something that all of a sudden becomes a complete disaster for them. I don't blame those guys one bit for wanting to have uh, a translator with them at all? So. No, because when, when I talk to
0: Nolan Ryan, I, I used to need to translate. I used to have Kevin translate for me in uh, uh, uh. Uh, that uh, Houston uh, area. So that's
3: because you speak Yankee there. Yeah, that's right, Ke- and,
2: Ke- and Kevin, Kevin's a good old boy from the Houston area. That's right. Well, uh, now, listen, I want to make sh- clear on that too. Is, is that uh, these guys who can speak multiple languages? I have a hard enough time speaking English. <laughs> to think that I would speak two languages or three languages, as some of them can, I, I always go back to. Uh, uh oh! Uh, who was the, who was the pitcher that that didn't make it from the, that '80s bunch? Edgar. Uh.
3: Edward
0: uh, Ed, 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 Edward Correa N- Eddie Correa Eddie, Eddie Correa. Correa
2: that was him yeah he spoke
0: un- unbelievably he, great he, English his
2: English was unbelievable and he told me I asked him about that when there was you wouldn't have no idea that he spoke uh, was a Spanish speaker Absol- a native speaker yeah. at all and he said I just thought it was important that I get this as good as I could I, it was, well, it was I will
3: say this before we get into the media show I will say this you know Elvis Andrus won the award that that the local writers chapter gives out every year. That's quote unquote the good guy award, and, and that's given out for somebody uh, who who speaks uh, freely, openly, is professional, dealing with the media, is, is a contributor on a team, but basically recognition of somebody that we appreciate the professional job you do. And 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 I thought it was important that Elvis won this year, and that Nelson Cruz won a couple of years before, because those guys who speak in English to English reporters who 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 don't necessarily use English as their first language and who do it as freely when we should be the ones making the extra effort to be able to communicate with them. I think those guys deserve an an extra, um, uh, it's an extra level of cooperation. Uh, Has Adrian Beltre ever won that award? No, but he will win the award for lovable grump, all-time lovable grump.
2: There is no man on earth who is a native Spanish speaker who speaks English faster than Adrian Beltre. He's, he speaks English he so fast. He's got it's quick, unbelievable. quick twitch muscles. Oh, my God. I don't know how he does Evan, it. Evan,
0: you're in surprise. We're here in Dallas. What do you got?
3: Well, the big news this morning, fellas. Big news. And I know that all the listeners right now are... it's it, it, They've well, fallen asleep, get to, Evan. Yeah, I know. Let's just get to the, to the meat of the matter. Joey Gallo, Nomar Mazzara, and Propar, Lewis Brinson, they're not making the opening day roster. That what? That is now official.
0: I was counting on all four of those. But you're not surprised. You're not surprised. No one's surprised.
3: No, nobody is surprised at all. I I, I think that there's, I think that, uh, and and I'll say that I'm sure there's some prospect fanboys out there who would love to see some of these guys on there, but there was no intention for any of these guys to make the club this year. The most important thing is the Rangers sent out six guys today. In addition to those four, they sent uh, Drew Robinson and Ryan Cordell, two other pretty good prospects out. Those six guys hit two ninety one in 150 major league at-bats during the spring. That's good show right there. Those guys showed up well in spring training. They performed well. And the Rangers have to feel exceptionally good about the way these guys performed against big league uh, uh, talent. Joey made some real strong uh, adjustments to spring, um, and he showed a real good plan at the plate. Mazzara was a disciplined hitter. Profar, did not have great offensive numbers, but the most important thing for Profar this spring was to show that he was healthy enough to play shortstop, and by and large he was. There were a couple throws that that I, I still think that with more time he's going to get, uh, he'll get back down under his belt. But I, I think he's in a position now where he doesn't worry about the arm anymore.
2: Let, let me ask you about that about Profar because there's something that came up and I thought was very interesting. That was at least twice this spring that he held the ball in a double play. And uh, and and Bannister, what we heard back here, or what we read back here, was that Bannister was going to ask him, "Did you not make the, the throw because you thought it was, you know, fruitless? You're not going to get the guy, or was there a problem, uh, perhaps, you know, either mechanically or physically with him?"
3: And yesterday there was a throw. Yesterday there was a throw from deep in the hole on the first play of the game that maybe he should have held, but he threw. So I don't know if Jurksen if at that point in time was thinking, well I gotta show them that I can throw and I gotta show them that I'm not I'm not holding anything back. And and I, I think that is just a case of the more reps that he gets. Are you okay, Evan? The, he, um, I'm 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 surviving. Okay. The easier it will be Bless for you. him to, to make throws that will not leave anybody guessing. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry, I did not mean to sneeze on the air twice.
2: So, Evan, these, these moves, which Arizona I. Arizona is killing me, fellas. Oh, I hate oh, that. Oh, so so I'm so sorry. You know, I'm coming out there next week to come see you. You know that, don't you?
3: I'll probably be in a hospital by the Yeah, oh, I yeah,
2: oh, yeah, that'd be great. Please. So, so, these moves, which were not surprises to most people, and, and I think these are all good moves. Th- to me, this is the best case scenario for these guys. The fact that they. Everybody wants to say if you have a good spring, maybe he can make the club. To me, the deal is you want them to have a good spring, and then and now there's no pressure. Now you go now you go down to AAA, work on that, build on that, use that for your confidence, especially on a guy like Joey Gallo who struggled so much at the big league level last year. This is the ideal scenario in my Let
0: mind. Let me just jump in here. Are they all going to AAA?
2: Um, Gallo, Mazzara, and
3: uh, and um, Profar Profar have all been optioned to AAA, so they will, in all uh, likelihood, open the season at AAA. The other three were were sent to minor league camp, so there's still some question as to where they will end up being assigned. Uh, I would guess that probably they will start the season at Double A.
0: If if you had a guess, and if everything goes right this season, would any anything goes right with the, with the major league team? Will any of them be back before September?
3: Well, I, that would. <sighs> Under that scenario, if everything goes right with the major league team no, you're talking about, no, everybody performs. I'm saying no, no in- injuries, no injuries, and, and, injuries, and they're a comp- everybody and the, performs and then they're no. competitive. No, yeah, okay. they wouldn't be back until September, but the the likelihood is that somebody's going to get hurt somewhere along the way. And and I think one thing the Rangers feel is that with the presence of Ian Desmond and, and and having the ability that that if they need to move him back on the infield, if an injury were to crop up in the middle of the diamond or or, or something along those lines. If they get an injury, they can take their pick of the four or five guys that they really like who's performing the best at the minor league level. They don't have to go and just pluck Joey Gallo to replace Adrian Beltre automatically because he's a third baseman for a third baseman. They feel like they're gonna have the ability to move some bodies around and take the guy who's most ready for the big leagues to pluck him in and, and put him into the major league lineup.
0: Okay, you mentioned Ian Desmond. On a scale of one to ten, one being the lowest, ten being the Barry Horn. Uh oh
2: my what, what 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 would you so this say, is a reverse scale? What
0: would you say what would you say what would you say the the Ranger satisfaction has been with Desmond?
3: Well, I, I think their satisfaction's been off the charts. Okay. I'm still not convinced that that using Desmond in center field is um, is a viable option right now. I think he's I, I think he's he's looked kind of kind of like a guy who's still trying to learn a position, and you're asking him to to take two different positions, and and the ball does come off the bat a little bit differently to left field than it does to center. Um, but I I think they've been very very happy with everything they've got, and the guy has been. The guy's been lo- here Here's the biggest thing: they all knew that they were getting a great athlete. They all knew that they were getting a guy with, with, that still had big upside offensively. If it let me let me jump you, in
2: right there, cause you you bring up a great point right about the the big athlete. Isn't great. that isn't that something that John Daniels, when he was always pursuing Justin Upton, he he he's very intrigued by athletic guys, is he not? sure but i i think you know this
3: is a team that also has you know this is also a team that has prince fielder and people will, will look at prince fielder sure. and say okay yeah. this is not the prototypical athlete i think what I, th- I think what jd's perspective is is if a guy can play the game and make you better great i i do think when it comes to um athletic ability you're talking about more versatility and i think that versatility has become much more important in the game over the past couple of years and so I think that is one thing that that really does kind of uh, lead to favor uh, of, of those guys. But look, every GM likes that. Every GM likes guys who can who have um, off the skills, off off the chart skills. It's just a question of of whether or not they're willing to commit to them. And I think the thing that's been most impressive impressive about Ian Desmond is his level of commitment to everything the Rangers have asked him to do. He has, you know. Look, the guy's moved from short to left field without any hesitation, and now they said, "Hey, why don't you go out and play some center field too?" And he's done that without balking. So
2: I, I would say that one thing about the the moving from left field to center field, uh, the, the thing about playing center field, we always make that out to, that's obviously the premium position. Uh, you want a guy who can run out there and who gets great reads and all that. But from a standpoint of actually playing the position, if you've not played the outfield much, it's easier to play center field than left or right. Because the ball is either hooking or slicing away from you in left field and right field. And in center field, the ball is pretty much true. It's, it's, that, not, it's not doing that as much.
3: That aspect of it is, is, is correct. But I also think that we tend to, you know, the level of communication in center field has got to be greater. Yes, um, absolutely. You've got more responsibility in center field. And, you know, for where the Rangers would like to do things, I think they would like to have a center fielder who can play fairly shallow. And I think right now, um, well, yesterday, one ball that, that Desmond, you know, kind of laid back on a little bit, and I don't think he did it intentionally or anything. I think he just got frozen a little bit. He was playing very deep, but it was Pool hitting, so uh, it, it's hard to it's hard to really judge on that on, on that case.
0: Have you had an opportunity now to see all the t- all the teams in the American League uh, West, uh, at least besides? you? Have you? Well, you <laughs> know, well, that, that was a really screen- good question. No, no, I, I, I actually. In Florida. Yeah, I know, I know. But the teams that are in Arizona, have, have you seen other them? than them? I I, I was you...
3: back home for my sabbatical when the Rangers faced the A's. But uh, yeah, I've seen the Angels and I've seen the Mariners and um, the Angels look the Angels look good yesterday. I mean, Heaney looked very good. He's, he's going to be a tough left hander. Um, Pujols is swinging the bat right now. I still just wonder when, when Albert's body is really going to break down. You know, the the heel and the foot are always going to be issues, and it's just. It's laughable to try and watch him run, but the guy still has very quick hands, and he can still swing the bat. And if they can keep him on the field, that's going to be uh, there's he's going to be dangerous in the middle of their lineup. I'm still not sure what to make of Seattle. I, I think they're going to be a better team than they were last year. I think they're going to be a different team than they were last year. I know when I'm talking with with Jerry Fraley, he thinks that Leonis Martin is going to make them a significantly better defensive team in the outfield, and they were not a good offense, uh, defensive outfield team last year. Uh, but I, there's just been so much turnover there that I'm, I'm just not I'm, I'm just not sure that I've got a grasp on what that team is going to be like.
2: I think to me the question always is with the Angels, what's their pitching going to be? And they've had some struggles so far this spring with Jared Weaver and C.J. Wilson, both uh, injury problems.
3: I don't know. Jared Weaver hit eighty-three yesterday, guys, in a minor league
2: game. But you know the thing is, he still gets people out with that stuff. It is unbelievable. What have he you? Does. I mean, other than a knuckleball pitcher, what have you ever seen a guy throw in the low eighties and get people I out haven't. consistently? I me neither. I me it's, neither. It's unbelievable. It's,
3: that delivery is is deceptive, and and he's a great competitor. And and on as far as CJ goes, he's out there trying to. I, I don't know. He gave some explanation the other day that I think included Venn diagrams <laughs> and things. Did, that do, what, of, when you talk uh, to, reworking his delivery, when you talk to uh, CJ,
0: do you, do you uh, often need a translator?
3: I, I don't talk to CJ. I, he he. Uh, I, I believe he does issue statements. Wow! There we go. Speaking
2: of statements, uh, you made one by procuring quite procuring quite an interview. What are you for doing us? out there in surprise? <laughs> Not that kind of procuring. Uh, I believe with Cole Hamels, and we like to we like to hear that interview right now. As a matter of fact, well, we're going to
3: hear it, and uh, I guess you guys can go ahead and play it.
2: And we'll be back on the other side. So we will. Don't go away. So don't, yes, we'll be we'll be coming on in relief of Cole. Yes, yes, we will. You're Tom Wilhelmson, and I'm uh, I'll be uh, Jake Deakman, Sean Tollison. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Here we go, guys. I've got Cole Hamills here. Uh, Was able to take a few minutes with us this morning to talk a little bit about routine and talk about his uh, his adjustment to the Rangers in the 2016 season. Cole, thanks for joining us on the ballsy podcast. It's a terrible name. I didn't choose it.
4: I was going to say, that's uh, pretty pretty out there.
1: Yeah, it's really bad. Um, (laughs) So, listen, here's the the thing that I've noticed most this spring. It seems like you are so much more at ease with being around this, just being in this environment. Can you put into words just... What kind of an adjustment it was for you last year to come in here and try and find a routine in the second half of the
4: season? Yeah, I think anytime you, know, you kind of have the understanding when when you do go to a new team, you, know, you want to go out and you want to be your best and you want to be yourself, but you also need to know where your place fits uh, and you know how you're going to uh, fit in with the regime that's already been there. Um, you know, just kind of getting that understanding because you don't want to step on anybody's toes and, and you do want to be an asset. And I think that's for, for me, uh, you know, how I've built myself over the past couple of years is really trying to develop, uh, you know, a, a good way about, you know, getting out onto the field healthy and, and a good approach in getting guys out to be successful. And in doing that, you know, you, you do, you have to uh, understand, you know, your time constraints you know, in, in a sense where you know what you can do uh, in that time, uh, what might not fit necessarily fit. Uh, it's a different style of game, uh, you know, being in the American League. So you have to know how to uh, incorporate what I've been able to. Create in the National League and see how it's going to fit into the American League style of baseball. Uh, but you know, even at there, you know, it's, it's different travel. Uh, it's it's just everything gets new, and you know, it's a lot easier to make those adjustments when you're new to the game, uh, when you don't have those sort of expectations, you don't have those contracts, you don't, you just don't have that on you. When you do finally have that, it's because you were able to get somewhere and be great at it, uh, and in doing that. You, You have to uh, stick to a plan of attack, and I think that's kind of what I always want to do is have a very good plan, uh, just because then I know how to execute, and I feel comfortable and confident that I can do so.
1: So when you went through the whole process, because you guys knew that being dealt was a real possibility, when you went through the whole process of lining up of it, these are the best fits. And I, based on everything that I've read and, and we've talked about, you're, you and your wife put together a pretty detailed list of, of what are assets, what are what are liabilities in different places. Did you did you underestimate? Do you think in any way how difficult it would be to just pick up
4: and, and, and move to another club? Oh, 100%. Yes, it's it is different. As much as you can prepare and get mentally uh, in that position. Uh, everything's going to be new. Every Everything's going to have uh, a different sort of reality uh, than what you uh, envisioned. And it is. It's, uh, it's a lot to pick up everything that you know for the past 14 years in an organization and 10 years in the actual big league of the organization to then moving over to... You know, different management, different coaches, different players, uh, you know, different fans, different media. Uh, it's it is it's it's an adjustment period. And, and then outside of that, you have uh, you know, your family that has to then go with you uh, that I don't think uh, people really kind of look at. Uh, and, and that is part of who you are, even though I'm out on that baseball field trying to win a game as much as possible. Uh, you know, that's only a couple hours of the day. Uh, the rest of that time is either spent with your teammates, your family, uh, you know traveling. so you do have to make those adjustments and uh, it is a, a tough reality, but at that same point, I, I, get to, I love what I do and you know I understand what I'm doing is, is great and it's an opportunity that doesn't last forever. So you want to be at the best and, and in order to be the best, w- the way that I feel comfortable and confident is to have a really good routine in doing so.
1: The one adjustment that you made on the mound, I think, after your first couple starts in Texas was it was so surprising that the bottom of American the Orders were giving you some trouble early on. How did you and, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, but you made an adjustment and, and kind of approached it a little bit differently. How did you how did you put into into your mind what you needed to do against that bottom third of the order? Yeah,
4: you know, it's uh you know, understanding that, you know, in the National League, sometimes the bottom of the order is a reset. You know, it's it's a, you can, you just kind of start to process over how you're going to attack the, uh, the top of the order again and get into that meat of the order. The American League, I mean, you have guys that are sitting in the seven, eight, nine holes that easily could be in a number two spot, a number five spot, a number six spot in the lineup, which is very, uh, you know, powerful type of player. Uh, and you know they can make a serious impact so you know they're not going to give up at bats uh, you know more so like a eight hitter and a nine hitter where you can try to just cruise right through so I think that was kind of the uh, understanding of you know you don't get to take a break in the American League which is good because it challenges you and I think that's kind of where it is is it's just now, now once you're able to uh, mentally be prepared for it, uh, then you can attack it and obviously have success.
1: You've got two lefties in this rotation beyond yourselves and Martin Perez and Derek Holland. Have they followed you around like ducklings this
4: time? <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate enough to... You know, to spend a lot of time with them when we play catch because either we're throwing partners, um, we're always uh, lined up in the same PFP groups, uh, you know, we're always in the weight room. And I think that's what's good is because we do look at each other in a, in a sense of uh, we have a lot of respect because we know the type of talent that we all three of us have. And now it's just a matter of trying to get that talent out and then to push us even further to try to see if we can get a little bit more out of us. And I think that's good because we all are at different ages and stages of our career, uh, but yet we all have the same goal. And it's to be the best, be a number one, uh, go out and win every single game, be healthy, you know, be accountable. And, and that's a good thing to have because we can each help each other. We all have very similar pitching styles. Uh, with the same type of repertoire. Uh, so that's good too because we're staying on each other, uh, making sure that we're following through, making sure we're getting the right grips, uh, not ma- not letting uh, anybody get away with just uh, not really uh, giving it uh, their full 100%. I think Going that's good motions, for us, so exactly. You,
1: you have been pretty outspoken about the guys that you that, that imparted some knowledge on you, Jamie, Moyer, Cliff Lee, Roy Holiday. Uh, you take that. I assume you take that responsibility pretty seriously about being able to pass something on to the next group too.
4: No, it is. You know, when when you see guys that have been able to play the game for as long as the guys that I did, you, you really start to uh, get that understanding that it's easy to make the big leagues. It's harder to stay, and so you want to know well, how did you guys stay and have that success? So. In doing so, there's there's a certain type of uh, preparation that they give, uh, you know, the attitude that they have day in and day out, uh, you know, that competitiveness that they have. So, you know, that's how you know I'm going to take it, and obviously try to show those guys because I feel like that's just the you know the. The prestige and and the special part about baseball, especially at the big league level, is, you know, not in every single job can you pass down your information and have that pride in what you do uh, and see it. And I think that's in this game you get to see that and you get to experience it. And uh, you know, it's it is it's it doesn't last forever, Uh, and so you want to make an impact. And if you're able to then impact a few other guys that are going to be below you that then can obviously reciprocate that to others, uh, then I think you had a pretty good uh, idea of of. You know, being a major league baseball player and what you actually meant to the game, because we're all trying to be the best, and we obviously want to make it even better in the long run. Is there
1: something from, and I know based on your relationship with Jamie, he's he's given you a lot of advice over the years. Is there something that Jamie gave you, or or an, a, I don't know, an anecdote he shared with you that really stuck with you in terms of this is something I can pass on to somebody else.
4: <laughs> you know, as, as as we get older, I think we become forgetful. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it was all about note taking with him, and I never understood that because I didn't have enough experience to realize that I'm going to have to remember some hitter after ninety something at bats, and this could be a big moment in a big game in September or October, and I'm going to need to break out something that I've had a lot of success against that he might not necessarily remember. So that's kind of where it is. Is he was is taking He was, no, he was, and that's what I saw with even Roy Holiday. And and as much as I like to play the game uh, at the moment that the game's actually happening and reading swing paths... Sometimes, you know, a guy gets up and you have no clue what his intent is, and it's a big, crucial part of the game. And you need to kind of, uh, you know, go back into your uh, memory and try to remember something that will get him to get out a lot quicker and obviously have it more in your favor. And obviously notes and studying those over a period of time can help.
1: So you keep books on hitters?
4: I've started to. (laughs) video helps a lot better now because i mean before jamie and uh, some of those guys are around they didn't have the type of video that they have now and so i do it's uh, my ipod and uh is is full of stuff my iphone ipad it's it's got a lot of information i think that's mostly baseball related than uh, all those apps that uh, everybody else has
1: <laughs> how much time have you gotten to spend with with you garbage
4: you know it's uh it's been kind of fun because i think you know, we see each other in the weight room, we acknowledge each other, um, you know, but out on the field, I think we are, we're getting a better understanding of, of our work ethic, and uh, I think we're going to, I think we're going to challenge each other in, in a sense where uh, it's going to be fun. It, it really is, you know, it's, it's, it's like anybody, we try to keep each other accountable because we know how good we are and how much talent we actually have, and you want to see it. You know, out there, you want to see it out in the field to play, and so that's kind of what it is. Is is, like we said before, you don't want guys to take it easy, Uh, and I know he doesn't take it easy. I mean, he's—you watch him throw his bullpens and play catch, and he's got a uh, a way about him of of a focus, and and so that's great to see. And I think that's something that we can push each other to become better.
1: This club, this rotation going into the season, you will be. Do you feel like? You know, I think last year you were certainly at the head of the Phillies rotation, and maybe even if you go back a year or two, depending on how people viewed Cliff at that point in time, you're at the head of the rotation. Do you feel comfortable now being the quote unquote guy?
4: Yeah, I think I think it takes time and experience. You know, you're gonna rise and fall. Uh, that's the game of baseball, and it's how you uh, pick yourself up and and how you uh, acknowledge. Uh, you know expectations and and uh... you know not from uh... not only from yourself but from everybody else and and then how you uh how you evolve in the game. And if you're able to play this game long enough, you're going to evolve into a certain type of player. And obviously that's going to be looked upon. And so I think that's, you know, finally feeling content with the position that I'm at. And I think that's it. And it's, you know, I think it happened, uh, you know, over the course of about a year and a half of getting that understanding and, and knowing what it means to be that type number one guy, the guy that's, you know, needs to win the big game when, when that big game happens. You know, the guy that needs to be that first game or the second game of the postseason. It's not a burden. No, no, it's not. And and I don't think it necessarily was in the beginning. I don't know if I just knew how to handle it um, in in what the uh, expectations were from others. Uh, It was just mostly, you know what, I've got to be pretty content with myself. And I think that's why I've become so routine-oriented and trying to make sure that I'm preparing the best because that's a lot easier to fall into uh, when things are chaotic and crazy is is when you can fall into that routine, uh, it becomes second nature.
1: The biggest question going for you in spring training is will you or will you not get in a hot air balloon before you
4: <laughs> I know, that's what I've been waiting for. It's uh Every day I get to see them. So I, th- I think that's kind of funny where I've been waiting for my family to see if uh, we're gonna uh, make that next step. Uh, but it is, I, I think I've talked to a few guys and they're, they're all they're all against it. Are they? And uh, I know half my family's all done the whole skydiving and everything. So I've got some family that are like, yeah, go ahead and do it. That's a lot easier than skydiving. But uh, I'm, I'm gonna try to look up into it for this last week and see if I can make it happen. It
1: is the most gentle experience I've ever had in my life. Only Here's the only advice. When you land, they don't have it doesn't have landing gear, <laughs> so the gondola just hits the ground, and you've got to kind of, you know. But they give you all that. Okay, Other than that, it's a really easy, incredibly relaxing uh, adventure. That it was on my bucket list. We did it out here. I hope you and your wife get a chance to do it because it'll. Uh, it gives you a whole different
4: perspective. No, and here I think, you know, it's pretty peaceful out here with the type of terrain that you have. So I think that's always been something. Growing up in San Diego, they had them all the time because you can look at the ocean on one side and you can look at the mountains on the other. Uh, but here, it's it, the terrain is absolutely beautiful in Arizona. So I think that's why it would make it a lot more uh, uh, better. And at least we're not trying to avoid a bunch of trees like the East Coast. That would be uh, tough. Yeah,
1: that's what you, when the <laughs> objects to go, like, it a little bit dicey. Yes. All right, well, Cole, Thanks a lot for
4: the time. We really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, guys. Did,
0: did he say anything that really surprised you in that interview?
3: Um, uh, I, just again, I think he reinforced just how much a creature of routine he is. And, you know, if you think about how his routine was disrupted last year, for him to pitch as well as he did in, in August and September, I think that's got to be that, – that to me was the most surprising thing, that it, it really did kind of upset his, his routine – um, and he, he battled through all that stuff, and I think he's, he's in a really good position to to, to succeed this year.
2: Do you uh, watching him pitch last year, and, and of course, the what was the the Rangers' record within his games, his starts was what? Pretty good.
3: Uh, it was t- eleven and one. I was or, thinking it
2: was ten and one. Uh, well,
3: it was he was ten and zero in his last ten starts. After you know, he had that little hamstring issue um uh-huh. uh in his second start with the rangers i think they lost his first two starts then he came back after missing 10 days and they
2: won his last 10 it's, it's 10 and 2 i believe yeah so he, he made quite an impact let's let's put a number on him this year if he and i you know and here's the thing about cole hamels and another reason why i advocated so highly that the john daniels Oh my God! Oh, and, oh,
0: what to tell us about all?
2: Did you ever advocate anything that turned out to be? Crap? No, ne- I have never. No, as a matter of fact, I said they should have resigned Nelson Cruz as well. But and that didn't work out so great for the Rangers. I think
0: it? you have selective memory, at your no, age. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I, I'm not it's questioning that. I'm not questioning that. But I know you've you you've there may have been a couple of bad ones yeah, in
2: there. Okay, Olivier Vernon might be a bad one for the Cowboys. I don't know. We'll see. I think I was probably right about that. But any, at any I rate, think, what, what I believe no? a former Dallas,
3: I believe the most famous one that I remember is a former Dallas Morning News columnist telling me that the Mavericks were going to win an NBA championship now that they had Sean Bradley in the middle. <laughs>
2: You know, Randy Galloway once said that the that the Mavericks should have taken who was the big boy from Kentucky? Uh Turpin, Mel Turpin. Mel, Sam Bowie. Mel, Mel Turpin. Turpin. Should have taken Mel Turpin instead of Michael Jordan if they had the opportunity. Well, they yeah, wound up well. with,
0: they wound up with Sam Perkins
2: and and he he had a pretty good career. Unfortunately, yeah, he it was wasn't Michael, Michael Jordan. Yeah, they didn't have the opportunity. But anyway, what kind of numbers do you think that Cole Hamels is going to put up this year? Uh, guys, uh, you know my my perspective on
3: this is that what he's the most important number he's going to put up is I pitched. expect 210 to pitched. 225 innings or so, and and that is so important, especially given the strength of this bullpen. That if every five days you can basically give the bullpen a, almost what amounts to a complete rest, you're gonna you're gonna keep those guys that much more fresh. You're gonna keep that strength. Um, uh, very, very fresh for when guys, like, if they have to work harder when the fifth starter goes, if they've got to work a little bit harder one other night, they're going to have a, a day to really catch their breath. And, and that's where I think, you know, beyond whatever the number of wins and losses Hamels has, I think he's going to impact the rotation on three to four days out of the week.
0: I think you brought up a fascinating point there. Is there a possibility that the bullpen will not – they have so many relievers that uh, they won't get enough work for each of the guys? No. No no possibility. No possibility. No possibility. No, we won't – Okay. There's yet
3: to be a manager who hasn't found a way to use every guy in the bullpen as much as he possibly can. Is
2: there is there a formula? And I think this is fascinating because we know that there's all kinds. That's of That's my word. Now. Fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. Uh For uh, when when a team wins it all, when the Rangers went to the World Series, I believe they had at least. Did they not have at least two or three guys who went 200 innings uh, both of those years? Had, in
3: 2010, they had uh, I believe Colby and. CJ both went 200, and in 2011, I want to say they had the same thing. But yeah, I, if you look back at this team, with the exception of last year, they have had multiple 200-inning pitchers every time they've won the division. In '96, they had they had the equivalent of three guys. '98, they had Helling and Sealy. '99, they had Helling and Sealy. And then, the, as, as we mentioned, 2010 and 2011. So, if if this club has multiple 200 inning pitchers, they're going to put themselves in very, very good position. And I think this bullpen is is better than most of the bullpens that the Rangers have had in those other in, in those other division winning series. Well,
2: I don't think Season. there's, any, there's so, no question about that. But let's say, who do we think those 200 inning guys would be this year? Besides Cole, I, I think that that's certainly a reasonable uh, goal for him. Uh, is you going to get enough starts to get 200 innings? Oh no, no no no! i Not, I not think, even close. One fifty. You
3: know, oh, I, I think that if you got the one fifty, including a long postseason run with mm-hmm. Darvish, that would be yeah. that would be a lot. I think that if he comes back the first of June, you're looking at about 120 to 125 innings for the regular season. Uh, I think Martin Perez, who is, would be my pick to really make a big step forward. I think the Rangers are going to have to watch a little bit because he's never gone more than 170 innings in a season. And I, I don't think that this club wants to jump pitchers more than 15 or 20 innings in, in a season. So he's never
2: done 170 I, in the major leagues, has he?
3: No, he's, he, he's done – 167 is, is his high, and I think that was a split season between the minors and the majors.
2: Yeah, that sounds right. Um, that's a that's uh, a pretty big jump. So you, you feel more confident in him doing that than Derek Holland?
3: Well, I feel more confident in him having a uh, – uh, a, a real step forward than I do in Derek right now. I just think I, I, I think Perez is is at a point where he's going to take a real step forward, and and you know I, uh, I I do think we know what what the ceiling could be for Derek. I mean he could be a two hundred inning guy, and he could be a guy who gives you 16 to 17 wins. And if he does that, all of a sudden this rotation goes from. From really good to, so, to potentially outstanding. So, so Evan, um, what, you're, what, you're,
0: I, what you're telling everybody now is to go out and order their World Series tickets right now, if, if, if all this falls into place. Guys,
3: I'm going to say, and I, I am working on a column on this for later this week. But the vibe here is so much like it was in 2011 The this team, this team was coming off a very good season. They knew they were a good team. They enjoyed being around one another. They are very driven. I, I, I think that. Uh, providing there are no catastrophic situations that take place here, this team's in a very good position. Um, I, I I really like what I'm seeing here.
0: Are you, are you willing to put that in three-inch headlines?
3: Um, Three-inch? I don't know if I want to go three inches yet.
2: Maybe maybe 30-point headlines. Wow, 30-point So uh, I want to go back to one guy in that pitching stat that we did not talk about. How many innings did Kobe Lewis put up last year? Colby had a career high 204 and 204 hey, innings and he's, and he's going to be the fourth or fifth starter.
3: He will I, I, well, I honestly think he'll open the season as the number two guy. I, I think he'll go left right with Colby in the number two spot and then another, and then one of the other left he's in the number three spot. But I think when the season is over with he, he'd be you know typically the number four or number five guy and, and here's the thing. Um, with Colby, you could you could if he stays healthy he will fight and give you 200 innings. Um, the question is, you know, with, with what that body's been through and as age progresses, will it allow him to stay out there for 200 innings? I will say this. The guy has dropped 25 pounds. He's found a new way to do cardio. And, you know, he basically didn't do any cardio the last half of last year because his knee was so bad. Um, he's in good shape. He's never going to be an overpowering pitcher anymore he's in good shape. He knows how to pitch. He knows how to battle. Um, I, do I want to count on him for 200 innings? No, but I think the sweet spot for Colby would be somewhere between 175 and 180. And and while, yeah, you want to have multiple 200 inning guys, if you've got a staff full of guys who all give you in the 180 range, you're still going to find a way to to really conserve that bullpen.
2: Evan, we're going to have to start wrapping this up, but we have to ask – what did you What did you uh, talk to Cole Hamels about about the the name of the podcast?
3: Well, I I got to tell you, you know, when I I just watched his face when I said "Welcome to the Ballsy Podcast," and <laughs> it, the the blood the blood drained a little bit. And um, I, I I you know I know that we all thought it was a great name when we came up with it, and it's fun to say when it's the three of us. But every time I like do an interview with somebody and i say hey welcome on into the ball podcast did
0: <laughs> you do you say it's with a z do you, do you tell them it's with a z
3: uh no i don't tell them that no yeah. I, I, been I leave better. that with all right
0: I, kevin got to ask his question my question is this when kevin gets to arizona will you pick him up the airport does he insist upon sitting in the back of the car and does he make you wear a cap
2: I like that. That's, that's good. I like I,
0: that. Will you wear a cap and sit in the front of the car and drive Mr. Kevin around?
3: I will not. I will not. First of all, it, it's more like when I had to pick up Fraley, and it is like driving Mr. Fraley. Um, it, 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 they're going to make a new movie with, um, I'm going to play the role of Morgan Freeman, and he's going to play the role of Jessica Tandy. Um, but, uh, he's got I, the hair will, for it. He definitely has that. Um I will not let Kevin sit in the back seat. I am just hoping once again that when Kevin gets out here, I'll be healthy and we can go and eat at some of his favorite restaurants and, and do Joseph's all the loving
1: things
3: that Kevin and I like to do. Let me yeah. just tell
0: you, I Kevin always insists when we go to lunch that I drive, and then he tells me how to drive, where to drive, where to uh, turn. Listen. I'm going too fast. Listen. I'm going too
2: slow. No, you're never going too fast. You're always going too slow. It, it's
3: so I, it, it,
1: Just Very, let, let I him drive.
3: I believe that we came up with the nickname Bubby, which, as everybody knows, is Yiddish for grandmother, after watching you driving on the
2: highway. Oh, my gosh. I thought, was, I thought
0: it was for Bubby Brister. Well, there's
2: the great part, too. You can't even see his head over the steering wheel. He, he gets way <laughs> down on the steering wheel. It's really good
1: stuff. I
0: think it's time to say goodbye. But, Evan, yeah, before you is. go, do you know that we also talked to David Moore, who's, by the way, at, at some Waldorf Astoria hotel
3: in Boca Raton? Are you
0: staying in the? Waldorf? He's at
3: the, the NFL meetings are at the Waldorf because we were at the uh, at the Boca Raton Club and Resort for the baseball GM. No, he, he's he said he was at the
0: Waldorf. So he he's, and he's ordering room service every five minutes. He said. And yeah. uh,
3: let me ask you a question: Did Jerry have a translator with him for the owners' meetings?
1: <laughs> no, yeah,
2: he I, needs one. That's I, a good point. No, but I but like David's
0: that. been with him so long, he he knows what's going on in Jerry's mind. Nobody that's, knows what's going on. That's scary. On in that's a really scary. So, and, and, and then, and then we have a special Final Four uh, men's basketball tournament uh, podcast today with Chuck Carlton. How's that, Kevin?
3: How, how is your Final Four looking? What was your Final Four?
2: I believe that first of all, I had uh, I had Kansas. I have Oklahoma. Everyone, so did
3: I. So did I.
2: Uh, and so then I. So did I. You had Baylor.
0: Uh, did you, did you I did not have Baylor. Okay. No,
2: no, no. I, no. I, no I, believe, I believe I had North Carolina. But here's the one I had because you told me to take it. I did? You told me to take
0: Michigan State.
3: Michigan State. That's what Goose told
2: me. Yeah. Goose guaranteed yeah. Michigan State.
3: That was guaranteed. Nice. I, when, when half of my final four, when Michigan State and West Virginia went out on, on the first day, I kind of was glad I didn't fill out a bracket. I didn't yeah. fill out a
0: bracket either. Yeah. But I did predict that Baylor, the Baylor women... Would go to the final four. Yeah. How's that for going out on the <laughs> yeah, no and kidding. And UConn, too. Yeah,
3: you're that's, really rich. That's an ender. All right, fellas, it was a pleasure talking to you today. Have uh, a good one, Evan. Evan, feel better. All right, guys. Bye.
0: I think that's it. I think there's nothing left to be said. There's but, nothing left but, to be but said. To say goodbye.
2: Bye. See
0: you on the next ballsy podcast.
2: With a Z.